Chapter 9 of Consuelo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Christine Rucker, January 28, 2022, Westford, Massachusetts. Consuelo by Georges Sand. Chapter 9. At this period of his life, though almost unknown to biographers, Porpora, one of the best Italian composers of the 18th century, the pupil of Scarlatti, the master of Haas, Farinelli, Caffariello, Mingotti, Salimbini, Hubert, surnamed the Porporino, of Gabrielli, of Montaigne, in a word the founder of the most celebrated school of his time, languished in obscurity at Venice, in a condition bordering on poverty and despair. Nevertheless, he had formerly been director of the conservatory of the Aspideletto in the same city, and this period of his life had been even brilliant. He had there written and performed his best operas, his most beautiful cantatas, and his finest church music. Invited to Vienna in 1728, he had thereafter some effort gained the favor of the Emperor Charles VI patronized at the court of Saxony, where he gave lessons to the electoral princess. Porpora from that repaired to London, where he rivaled for nine or ten years the glory of Handel, the master of masters, whose star at that period had begun to pale. The genius of the latter, however, obtained the supremacy, and Porpora, wounded in pride and purse, had returned to Venice to resume the direction of another conservatory. He still composed operas, but found it difficult to get them represented. His last, although written in Venice, was brought out in London, where it had no success. His genius had incurred these serious assaults, against which fortune and glory might perhaps have sustained him, but the neglect and ingratitude of Haas, Farinelli, and Caffariello broke his heart, soured his character, and poisoned his old age. He is known to have died miserable and neglected in his 80th year at Naples. At the period when Count Zustiniani, foreseeing and almost desiring the defection of Corio, sought to replace her, Porpora was subject to violent fits of ill humor, not always without foundation, for if they preferred and sang at Venice the music of Giomini, of Lati, of Crissimi, of Gasparini, and other excellent masters, they also adopted, without discrimination, the productions of Cocci, of Buini, of Salvatore Apollini, and other local composers, whose common and easy styles served to flatter mediocrity. The operas of Haas could not please a master justly dissatisfied. The worthy but unfortunate Porpora, therefore, closing his heart and ears alike to modern productions, sought to crush them under the glory and authority of the ancients. He judged too severely of the graceful compositions of Galuppi and even the original fantasias of Chiosetto, a favorite composer at Venice. In short, he would only speak of Martini, Durante, Monteverde, and Palestrina. I do not know if even Marcello and Leo found favor in his eyes. 
It was therefore with reserve and dissatisfaction that he received the first overtures of Zustiniani concerning his poor pupil, whose good fortune and glory he nevertheless desired to promote, for he had too much experience not to be aware of her abilities and her deserts. But he shook his head at the idea of the profanation of a genius so pure and so liberally nurtured on the sacred mana of the old masters, and replied, Take her, if it must be so, this spotless soul, this stainless intellect, cast her to the dogs, hand her over to the brutes, for such seems the destiny of genius at the period in which we live. This dissatisfaction, at once grave and ludicrous, gave the Count a lofty idea of the merit of the pupil from the high value which the severe master attached to it. So, so, my dear maestro, he exclaimed, is that indeed your opinion? Is this Consuelo a creature so extraordinary, so divine? You shall hear her, said Porpora with an air of resignation, while he murmured, it is her destiny. The Count succeeded in raising the spirits of the master from their state of depression and led him to expect a serious reform in the choice of operas. He promised to exclude inferior productions so soon as he should succeed in getting rid of Correa, to whose caprices he attributed their admission and success. He even dexterously gave him to understand that he would be very reserved as to Haas, and declared that if Porpora would write an opera for Consuelo, the pupil would confer a double glory on her master in expressing his thoughts in a style which suited them, as well as realize a lyric triumph for Sam Samuel and for the Count. Porpora, fairly vanquished, began to thaw, and now secretly longed for the coming out of his pupil as much as he had hitherto dreaded it from the fear that she should be the means of adding fresh luster to the productions of his rivals. But as the Count expressed some anxiety touching Consuelo's appearance, he refused to permit him to hear her in private and without preparation. I do not wish you to suppose said he in reply to the Count's questions and entreaties, that she is a beauty, a poorly dressed and timid girl in presence of a nobleman and a judge, a child of the people who has never been the object of the slightest attention cannot dispense with some preparatory toilette. And besides, Consuelo is one whose expression, genius ennobles in an extraordinary degree. She must be seen and heard at the same time. Leave it all to me. If you are not satisfied, you may leave her alone, and I shall find out means of making her a good nun who will be the glory of the school and the instructress of future pupils. Such, in fact, was the destiny which Porpora had planned for Consuelo. When he saw his pupil again, he told her that she was to be heard and an opinion given of her by the Count. But as she was uneasy on the score of her looks, he gave her to understand that she would not be seen. In short, that she would sing behind the organ screen, the Count being merely present at the service in the church. He advised her, however, to dress with some attention to appearance, as she would have to be presented, and though the noble master was poor, he gave her money for the purpose. 
Consuelo, frightened and agitated, busied for the first time in her life with attention to her person, hastened to see after her toilette and her voice. She tried the last and found it so fresh, so brilliant, and so full that Anzaletto, to whom she sung, more than once repeated with ecstasy, Alas, why should they require more than that she knows how to sing? End of chapter 9